Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. As always, I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. And we are on a journey with Joseph. And tonight is session five. We're going to be in chapters 44 and 45 of Genesis. And we've really been enjoying Joseph's story so far, haven't we, Professor D? Oh, yeah. It's been a real good uh, tour de force that we've been going through here. And for those of you who are just getting acquainted with Joseph in in Genesis, it it is quite a story. And it it just keeps getting better all the way up to the end. So we're in session five of seven tonight. And uh, let me open with a brief word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll journey forth. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We pray we're challenged and encouraged, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in chapter 44. Let's start with verses 1 to 13. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of, the, of his house. Fill the, his, the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have ye repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from, and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up to them, he repeated those words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves." Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. So Mick, how did the brothers handle themselves in this matter? Well, they first started off astonished. They were incredulous. They were like, what? What just happened here? You know, the worst case scenario of what could have happened in their minds is happening. Mm. Now, to their credit, they refused to, to, to abandon Benjamin. So clearly, this is a change from their past behavior. Yeah. And they seem to have an innocent character here. And because they, they're they not lying, they seem to be just living by the truth. So how, how does that innocent character they have here, how does that aid their decision? Well, again, I mean, this is why they were, they were uh, astonished and incredulous. And this is why they, they went back. They all went back. Mm. There was solidarity here. Yeah, it's kind of like if, if you are constantly lying, eventually you have to keep your lies straight and mm-hmm. you might get caught in them. This, they just held to the truth and they 
they were innocent. And I mean, this was this was something that we know as the readers, Joseph is designing something for them. But the, from their standpoint, they're completely innocent. And, and if anybody finds a cup, it would be shocking to them. Well, they, they, they were arguing all along. Look, we actually came back with twice as much money because of the, we thought there might have been some shenanigans in the previous transactions. I mean, we, right. we, we, we are really trying to go the extra mile here. Mm. So why would we steal silver, they said. Yeah, uh, that it aids their decision so that they can be so bold as to say, yeah, if there's a cup there, that that person can die. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly showing we have no motive for this. Right. It, money's not what we lack. We lack food. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, they'd be stealing extra sacks of grain, there you not go. a silver cup. Exactly. But yeah. Oh, well, my goodness. Uh, are you... Are you okay with uh, with verse five? Uh, are you the whole him uh, approaching them with this is my divination cup? Um, what what does that do for Joseph's sake as he's you know not revealing himself yet? Well, the Oscar for playing the best pagan king goes to yeah. roll Joseph. There it is. I mean. That would probably be something they would expect an Egyptian overlord to say. Oh, yeah, he, he, I mean, he's playing it up, man. So, because, you know, that, that's information that I guess he didn't have to say, but why would that cup... Well, you know, the saying goes, the devil's in the detail. There it you is. Know what I mean, you got, you got to put all these little things to make it believable. Yeah, because why would the steward come back for a silver cup, but if it was that cup, yeah. you know, and... And I guess in theory, those of us who've been following Joseph all along, he's kind of the dream guy. Yeah. He's the one who is able to, as it were, divine things. Right. And it's 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 not a manipulation of God as a diviner would use, but it's God giving the, the answer. And Joseph gives glory to God that God's going to reveal this to you, much like Daniel will later do, that God's the revealer of mysteries. But from a pagan standpoint, they paid diviners and they mm-hmm. paid mages and or magi. They they paid them to come and be diviners and astrologers and and so it would make sense, I guess, to have a, a cup that was re- reading the tea leaves, as it were, or right. whatnot. Okay, well, that's uh, one to thirteen here, so we got to move right along here. As, as Mick, as you said, this is the worst case scenario. The last thing they need is for this guy to die. I also think it's kind of cool here. Before we move on. Um, the end of verse 13, even though they tore their clothes, it's kind of like a sign of of this utter dismay. And yeah. it, then they loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. It's almost like a case of Rasarama. They're like, yeah. well, we said our words. Now we have to go put our lives in his hands or something. I mean, they, they know they are completely powerless in this situation. Yeah. I mean, legally... Any which way you cut it, they they are completely powerless. Hmm. That's great, and there there's so much about that. That's our story as well. Just being being powerless, and that's why grace is grace. It's always to the undeserving. Mm-hmm. All right, so fourteen to seventeen. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, "What is this you have done?" Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who is found to have the cup will become my slave. 
The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Well, what do your thoughts make regarding verse 15? I realize I asked you also about verse 5 there. So well, ver- verse 15 is kind of like a second round of that. Yeah, but. yeah. Actually, verse 15 is where, where it actually does happen. Uh, and, and again, I mean, Joseph is just kind of, again, I, I, he's got my vote for, for the academy. Don't you know a man like me can find things out by divination? You figure he'd know for sure which brother it was that had it, though, and would have told this guy instead of having him look through all 12 of the brothers. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's a good point. But, yeah, this is, oh, my goodness. And they threw themselves yeah, at their feet. Well, they're definitely staying humble here. we got to give them credit. I mean, I like that thing. You know, what can we say to my Lord? It, 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 you know, what can we say? It kind of reminds me of like when Jesus asked Peter, you know, are you guys leaving me too? And he goes, where else can we turn to? Mm. Who else can we go to? Kind of vibe here. I know we call our class master class theology, but this is like the master plan of Joseph. What does his plan set the brothers up perfectly to do? Well, it's it's a put up or shut up moment, that's for sure. Mm. It's, a, it's a do or die. It, it's a stand and deliver. It's a fill in the blank of any cliche I left out at this point. But they they, they have to come clean here. Yeah, that's, I, that's all. That's really their only recourse here. Not only to come clean, but also. This kind of this kind of gets at the question of why Joseph intentionally chose to frame Benjamin. Mm-hmm. So what might that set the brothers up to do? For I mean, it's it's the ultimate test. They did it with Rachel's boys. The only two that are Rachel's boys are Joseph and Benji. So now it's like let's see. Here's a here's a here's a retake of that test that you failed the first time so miserably. Yeah, yeah, they. It's almost like I wonder if Joseph is, because he, he has been the, the victim. I wonder mm-hmm. if he's testing the villains here. Will you, in this moment's notice, actually hear the pleas or whatever? Stand up for, your, for this brother of yours. Yeah. Will you actually advocate for the brother yeah. and uh, like you didn't advocate for yeah. me? I mean, I, I, it's just the, that's just the beauty, the absolute beauty of this setup mm-hmm. here. And of all people, the one that they had to were hard pressed to bring back, yeah. the one he demanded they bring back, the one that Dad was yeah. not wanting to, and, and he he just happens to. And there's no surprise here that yeah. Benjamin of all people is going to get framed, yeah, because it puts the brothers uniquely in a spot to see if they're going to be the villain again. Yeah, has the villain changed? Because they're being honest, they're yeah. they're giving they're giving. Well, right there, that's a change in and of itself. They're being honest. Yeah, they're being they're they're giving clues that that they're actually there's something there's a change about them. Yeah. There's kind of like that repentance, but but will they actually stand up for the one who once again is the most precious of them, mm-hmm. as Joseph once was? Yeah. Or will they be will they be consumed by their jealousy of the precious one? Right, the new precious one. I mean, yeah. it's just like a perfect test. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's manipulation, but it's 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 a test, and and they're they're not expecting anything but that from a pagan ruler. So, right. this is just beautiful, beautiful writing. It gets no better than this. I mean, this this is storytelling at its finest. Finest. And the, the, the the cool thing is that this is actually a true event. Mm. Well, and, and I, I like what he says here. He's just like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to punish all of you. We are not my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. Well, I like how, how Judah played that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they will take all of us. Yeah. And no, 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 I don't want all of you. 
I just want that one. He's like, yeah, no, I don't. That's all. I don't need that. I just want to punish that guy. The yeah. rest of you guys, you know, that's great. But and so that's it. it, it, it it's almost like he's really bringing the the brothers to that moment. Yeah. Not okay. Well, I'll take the blame. No, no, no. He, I'm, I'm not going to put up with that. It's like he's it's like he's guiding them now yeah. to if they're going to have this great moment, it's going to come now. If, know, if, speaking of those changes, unity and solidarity, something they didn't have earlier yeah. either. I mean, they had that momentary unity. Was it in chapter 37? And by chapter 38, Judah splits off. So there's a lot of changes mm. going on here. So it comes to this moment right here, 18 to 34. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to you, to my Lord. Excuse me. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. Excuse me. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there was a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what, what my Lord has said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said, We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said he has surely been torn to pieces. And I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy is not there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. Wow. What was Judah's attitude, Mick, towards his Egyptian ruler? He was completely humble. He was very respectful. He's no longer the brash schemer that he was in the beginning. Um, he's not the hypocrite from the Tamar incident. Mm. Um, this, is, this, is, this is almost as much Judah's story as it is Joseph. It's, it's Judah's spiritual coming-of-age story, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of... That's kind of the takeaway that I've got here. I know I'm getting a little ahead of my myself here, but in our in this story, in the in the Joseph story, there's some of us listening to this story, and we're, we are clearly we are clearly Josephs. Mm-hmm. Wrong has been done to us, and we have been victims of of people who have made horrible decisions. And there are some of us who are the villain. We're Judah, mm-hmm. and we need to see this humble transformation. And we looked at that last week yeah. as we see the brothers transition from not being the villain anymore to intentionally take steps 
to, uh, to, to, to make much better decisions. And here it is. This is a moment where villains out there who have been villains in the past, who have made decisions they regret, if they actually regret and humble themselves, they see in Judah's story that transformation that they long for. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. How does Judah now consider things like truth and his father? Well, as you can see, Judah really cares for his father. Mm. I can't, I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. I mean, man, that, 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 is, that, is, a, that is a very strong statement right there. And why is that ironic? When you consider what they originally did with, the, with Joseph's original cloak, his yeah. coat of many colors, and they brought back and... By this time, Joseph sold into slavery, and they come back, and what was yeah. truth then? What was the right. father then? Right. You know, and it's, and I mean, clearly, there has been a lot that has changed here. I mean, mm. to the point where, where he pledges his own life. You know, we talked about in the, in the previous lesson how Reuben basically offered up his kids yeah. instead. And Judah's like, no, I'm, I'm offering myself up. I will bear the blame. I will bear, bear the curse, mm. you know? And, and it's just amazing that that he steps up the way he does. Yeah, it's just it's beautiful. And, you know, going back to the truth, I mean, that's, at this point, aside from, from really Joseph's act, these brothers have been very truthful these last couple chapters. They played fast and loose with the truth mm -hmm. in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it was manipulations or outright lies. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we do have a little bit of, of, of information here. I don't know if... if this might have been really nice for Joseph. I don't, I don't know if he knows this, but it's verse, um, it's verse 27. And so he is, so Judah is quoting what, what, what father Jacob said, mm -hmm. you know, that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, he has surely been torn to pieces and I have not seen him since. I wonder if Joseph ever thought about why hasn't dad searched the country for me? Why hasn't he, you know, why hasn't he known? I mean, what was my dad's narrative? Because he couldn't have known that. Because by that time, he's in a caravan mm -hmm. marching to Egypt. And so this is, a, this is a piece of information that he now knows. Yeah. He now knows the anguish of his father. Yeah. And that his father assumed that he had been torn to pieces. Yeah. I, I think he, he knew that his father would be anguished. He probably didn't know the details, but I, I think he knew that. He had a relationship with his father that was different than his other brothers, mm. and even more so than Benjamin, who was a child at the time. So I, 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 I know he knows, but he it probably did answer some questions for him for sure. It may, maybe filled in some blanks that he yeah. didn't know, which was you know another unintentional blessing yeah. of being incognito while listening to this. Mm -hmm. And I think they said a bit of that last time yeah. when when they he, they didn't know that he had a he had a translator. They didn't know he could hear him and understand, and so. Didn't we tell father this and didn't we promise? So he got to have some of that. Yeah. But here we get Joseph's actual self, uh, what he, not even his self-talk, what he said to them. Yeah. You know, he's been torn to pieces. So that's, I, I just think that's great. For, yeah. I'm just trying to imagine from Joseph's standpoint, that would have been, okay, wow, that answers that. But that, what, what, what dad knew, okay, wow. So that's chapter 44. Um, any thoughts on Judah's pivotal moment? You've already well, commented a bit. Yeah, as, as you said, as I stated earlier, uh, this seems to be as much Judah's story as Joseph's. Uh, all of a sudden, chapter 38, which seemed like like a pointless interlude, you know, you know, in, in a story that is so full of detours, you know, now, now you got this. 
And we purposely didn't study 38 because it doesn't directly involve, it doesn't right. tell Joseph's story. Right. And we're focused more on Joseph's story, but we, we can't ignore Judah's journey also in, in, along yeah. the way. That's great. It's like his transformation. Mm-hmm. And it begins... Hey, it's a great incentive for people to go back and check it, chapter 38. Yeah, go go back and read 38. You no, can't do all the work for you, you know? Yeah, it, it's kind of a... It has a couple weird sexual moments in it, so now that I said the word sexual, you might, <gasps> re, you might really go back to chapter 38. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's kind of odd. Um, you know, there's, it involves a, a, a prostitute of sorts, and it's just, oh my goodness, and... Yeah, it's just it's a, it's it's an awkward chapter. But wait, is this the part where we plug our next lesson series, Song of Solomon? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how to touch that one, but but yeah, that's this, chapter thirty eight. Kind of begins Judah's return, and I, I like make how you how you put that. And I don't know how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with mm-hmm. me. And again, Joseph has the power here. He could just say, you know what, you are going to go back to your father. I said I wanted Benjamin, and that's that. Mm-hmm. He's the one that stole the cup, and yeah. but of course it's building up masterfully. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if I was Joseph if I could take much more of this. Yeah, because this is this is yeah. This it's like Joseph if he's looking to see if he's looking to see something from somebody, and maybe from Judah, I think he's seeing something. I mean, because Judah is being overtly clear. Yeah. He's willing to be a substitute. Yep. And and I think that's a great point you made there, that whole thing about the substitute, mm-hmm. you know? This is this I is mean, something, yeah. Our salvation is based on substitution. Amen. Jesus took our place and you know, and, and Jesus being a a, a Judahite. Mm-hmm. There's something about that. Yep. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. This this would have to be Judah's finest moment. Yeah. And that his story is built up to this moment. His repentance is, um, is is full. He's no longer seeking himself. He's um, he's willing to to live sacrificially. Yeah. And so even like in a, in an Ephesians five twenty five sense of husbands love your wives as yeah. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We're called as husbands yeah. to live sacrificially, and to live selflessly and to live as a servant. And that's. Judah was once that cocky, you know, brass, you know, liar and manipulator. And now, yeah, he's again, the ultimate put up or shut up moment, man. It's as if Joseph's plan, if, 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 if someone like Judah was truly going to repent. Yeah. If a substitute was going, it's really his plan led to a substitute moment. Yeah. If there was going to be a substitute, his plan directly led to that. Yeah. And God bless him, Judah. Followed through. Yeah. And his so Joseph's plan worked perfectly. Yeah. Wow. Chapter 45. One to three. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So he would have been crying out in Egyptian to them. His, mm-hmm. He was speaking to his attendants. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. So evidently they must have went and reported. Mm-hmm. Joseph said to his brothers, in Hebrew it reads, Ani Yosef, because he's saying to his brothers, 
There's no interpreters or attendants present. I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Hmm. Mick, thoughts on these emotional oh, three my, verses? Man. This is as real as drama gets, Woo! man. I mean, it doesn't get more intense than this. This is the buildup that we have been waiting for since we've started the story. This is it, mm. people. This is the moment. Wow. I am Joseph. Mic drop. Yeah. And then, what does Joseph's priority right from the reveal be? Well, the, what was his priority? Well, he, he the first person he asked for, is my father still alive? Mm. Is daddy still alive? Is daddy really still in the picture? I mean, he's seen his brothers. He's even seen Benjamin now, which was kind of the, the, the missing piece of the puzzle earlier. Now, the only one really that he has any real emotional attachment to is Jacob himself. He knows his mom is dead because mm -hmm. she died in childbirth with mm -hmm. Benjamin. So Benjamin means extra much to him. We, right. we get that. Yeah, and he probably doesn't really, I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm careful about how to say this. He doesn't so much care if they're even alive for the stepmoms, you know, they're stepmoms, you know. Right. But the one that he has any sort of uh, emotional investment in mm. the, that, that he hasn't seen at this point is Jacob. So, so he, it's as if he doesn't know. Yeah. So they've been saying, my father said this, my father, but he doesn't know if he's still alive. Yeah. I mean, wow. I, I mean, think he knows, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I want confirmation here. Any thoughts about how they were not able to answer him? They were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be? <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, I'm like, holy spit. This is the guy that we left for dead. We sold him as a slave. We figured he probably died because he was such a pretty boy, you know, not used to doing hard labor or whatever. And now here he is. The dreamer. The dreamer <laughs> is now the man. I mean, we're not going to say that I don't think we could say, yeah, they realized in that moment that his dream all those years ago came true, mm. and here they are, the stalks of grain bowing down. That's probably reading a little bit too much no, in that. No, no. But, but I think they do recognize the fact that he's a person in authority. Yeah. And he, just as he's had the power to do everything that he's mm. been doing up to this point, I mean, this guy can, exact, can enact his revenge at any, any second now. Would you change your mind now, Mick? You said earlier that... Benjamin having the, the, the cup in his sack and having to sacrifice Benjamin was the worst case scenario. Would you say that this is now the worst case scenario? Well, the brother we betrayed. Here's the thing. What I said earlier was that was the worst case scenario they imagined. Yeah. This is the thing they were never going to imagine. Never. And now that it's true. I mean, it's one thing if they would have found Joseph in Egypt. Right. But it's another thing that he is basically the number two in the land. The last thing they're expecting in that moment is this guy who's crying out and crying out to transition to Hebrew mm -hmm. and say the words that they would never imagine to hear. I'm Joseph. I mean, you got to be stunned. I mean, I mean, I'm like, I'm a, even reading it, I, I get a sense of being stunned. I can only imagine how they must have felt being there. I mean, I picture when I go to heaven someday, not terrified in the presence of Jesus, but I picture myself on my face. Yeah. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. I can only imagine the terror they have, and they're on their face. Yeah. I mean, just bowing down like, oh yeah. my gosh, that's it. And they're not going to get off the floor. Are you kidding me? Um, wow. These three verses are just an emotional bomb exploding yeah. right here. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. I, I mean, this is it, man. This is the part we were all waiting for. We were for. waiting for this. All of Joseph's plans, knowing that his brothers are here, mm -hmm. recognizing them, yeah. having to speak through an interpreter, playing along, blah, 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 mm -hmm. and you know, weeping, seeing his brother, and, and turning his face so they don't see his tears, and yeah. leaving the room and having to wash his face so they can compose himself to come back in, playing the part. Back and forth, back and forth, not knowing if they were going to survive the trip there, a trip back, and trip yeah. there, and trip back. And here we, oh my goodness. And then, boom. Yeah. Wow. Well, we got to keep going. Well, that's this, a bombshell. This yeah. is it's 4 to 11. Okay, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. I wonder if he had to say that a few times. Like, no, really. <laughs> when they had done so, he said, once again, I'm your brother, Joseph. The one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in, this, in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay you shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you here because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Wow. Now, we're not going to reveal the big reveal from session seven. Mm -hmm. Okay, from, from chapter 50. But with that said... How does Joseph theologically unpack his life before his brothers? Well, in the ultimate sense, he's, he's saying God, God is, in, is, is in control of all history, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. God is sovereign. Mm. And, and while the Bible is clear that people are responsible for their actions, I mean, we are guilty. Uh, we are at fault. And we have been wronged. But because we know that God is sovereign, sovereign um, we know that, that he has the power to redeem our suffering. And because of that, we are also given the means to, to see the reason for the things that he allows. Mm. Uh, and there, there's more, but I, again, like you said, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. It was to save lives. Mm -hmm. God sent me ahead of you. It's, uh, this is beautiful. Yeah. And my question at this point is, did Joseph himself see this all the way through, or did this kind of like come to him at this moment? This, this great theological truth bomb that he, he, he puts here. Because we know that's technically possible, because we saw that in Naomi's story, mm -hmm. where Naomi was this bitter wretch, and just angry at everything, and mm -hmm. blaming God for her entire existence, and mm -hmm. all that's happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, she sends out Ruth to go glean, and just find out where she's going to glean. And Ruth comes back with her her robe just full of food and she's carrying all these food back. And she's mm -hmm. like, my goodness, yeah. 
where did you go? Who did you glean with? And Ruth says uh, his name is Boaz. And all of a sudden, it's like the scales come off of, of, of Naomi's eyes. And she's like, oh, wow. The Lord bl- bless him. It's like she just all of, all of a sudden realizes, mm-hmm. and even in her bitterness, yeah. that God just providentially did something impossible. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, Naomi just changed. Yeah. So right away, she saw God's hand at work. So yeah. it, it's entirely possible that that's where Joseph's at. Yeah. Even as he saw his brothers. Yeah. For the very first time, he's incognito. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's beginning to realize this. This is why God did this. Yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is why God's been. And we, and we have that ability looking back at our life. When we see God's faithful hand at work, yeah. we can look back and say, wow, that's how God delivered me during that season. We may not be able to see it in that season, but we can we can see it looking back. Yeah. And, you know, it's this is also the really great part where we what we don't get in the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. We get God's providence where yeah. God is just moving the chess pieces behind the scenes yeah. through the ordinary events of life. We don't get a speech like this. Yeah. We're craving a speech like that. Yeah. We have to land the plane with it with that. But that's what makes the Joseph story so overt and yeah. so blessedly explicit about God's hand. Yeah. It's just beautiful. We don't get that in Esther, but we get it here. Yes. It makes it so great. That's just, it's wonderful. Uh, and, and, and how does he get, care for his brothers and give hope? Well, you know, in Celebrate Recovery, there, there's a saying that, you know, God doesn't let a hurt go to waste. So, um, you know, he hooks them up really, uh, well, I'm getting a, I think I'm going to get, no, yeah, he hooks them up really well. I mean, he's telling them, look, come, come to Goshen. I, this is kind of like the best hood here in Egypt. You guys can be with me. I will take care of you. There's five more years of famine ahead. Go get dad. Bring a yeah, whole family. Bring, bring everybody, you know, bring everybody, you know. And, and what they're seeing here is the exact opposite of a revenge scheme. Mm. You know, he gives them the best the land has to offer. You know, because we've and, only had two years. And, and if he's not taking his revenge here and now, when Dad's not around, he's far less likely to do it once Dad's back. Yeah. So don't don't just go back and tell Dad I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Bring him here. Yeah. It's like that's how much I mean. I want to see him. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not just going to ask about him. I want to have him here because you know, there's no. You guys aren't going to survive. Yeah. You barely made it two years. There's five more that's going to come. Yeah. I want to be able to take care of you guys yeah. and have you in my backyard so I can be able to, you know, make sure you're okay. I mean, man, he's caring for them. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Right, right, right away. His priority is on dad. And then he gives him hope. Yeah. It's, and, and I mean, he gives him hope theologically. It's like, you know, that's, I know you guys are terrified. Yeah. But stop being terrified. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, it's just right away. Don't be distressed. Yeah. And and then don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is something. I mean, that that's just that's hope that a villain that 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 a victim mm-hmm. can give to the repentant villain. Yeah, and you know, I journey with guys all the time who are stuck in shame, and they they look back at their life and they can't stand you. They they look back at their sins and there's this shame cycle where they do things and they 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 loathe themselves and they yeah. they're stuck in their shame. And so I tell them to pay attention to their shame and pay attention to what God is doing. Let that shame lead you to repentance, but don't wallow in it. It's like right. he's telling him right here, don't wallow in this. Yeah. There's hope. 
all this is going to be bring good, not yeah. just, you know, I know you guys hate yourselves for selling me here thinking you're screwed, but don't do that anymore. Right. I mean, he's basically giving his own testimony. Yeah. You know, I have every reason to be upset with everything, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm your brother, the one you sold into Egypt, he said in verse 4. Yeah. It's like, it, for just one moment, if he was truly a bitter, a bitter, bitter person, he would twist that screw. If there was anyone in their right to be bitter at this point, it's him. If anyone had a right to twist the screw right there. Yeah. To say, and you guys did this, do you guys know what I've had to go mm -hmm. through? Do you guys know what your decision cost me? Yeah. I mean, if, if there was anybody who had that right, like you said, yeah, who could just, you know what? Press pause. I'm going to let you have it first. I, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you, but you're going to hear me out first. And there's a lot of people who have been hurt that mm -hmm. would dream of that moment. And they would dream, if I ever got to say what I really wanted to say mm -hmm. to the one who hurt me, and to be able to say that and hear, it's like he, he has that moment. Yeah. And he just, he, he gives himself the one you sold into Egypt. Mm -hmm. for, that's all he gives himself. And then he says, now don't be angry with yourself. Yeah. There's hope. Yeah. And the, the victim. He's basically saying, I'm not angry with you. You guys have no right to be angry with you, at yourselves. Yeah, it's almost like a Romans 8.1. There's no longer any condemnation for yeah. those in Christ Jesus. So you really have no grounds to keep condemning yourself. You know, if, you, yeah. if you've turned to Christ, you know, shame can only go so far. You know, and so this is, that he's, giving, he's giving them hope. Oh, yeah. This is, be this is beautiful. We, is we, don't, we don't see this in, 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 in the, the social world. No. This is not what victims usually do because the victim all of a sudden has power. He has power, and we're usually told in that moment, advocate for yourself. In that moment, you know, take care of your business because you never know when you're going to get this chance again. Yeah. And they have to listen to you. And he instead chooses otherwise, and he chooses to be a blessing. And it almost sounds like, you know, Judah's been on a journey. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like Joseph's been on a journey. Yeah. Maybe he's dreamed of this moment. Yeah. If I ever get a chance to see these guys again, when I finally do the great reveal, what am I gonna say? We you know we, we dream of those moments when we get to to, to face our bullies or face our the the villains in our yeah. life. Will we do the right thing? Yeah. And this wow. Wow. Okay, well twelve to fifteen. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Huh. So thoughts, any further thoughts on the tender moment of forgiveness and joy that we see in these verses here? I, think, I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful moment, I mean, among other things. I mean, and obviously his big priority is, um, you know, among the brothers. Hey, look, he's not hating the other ones. So that, that's, that's a major gesture of love, as it were, in and of itself. But, but obviously, especially because jo Benjamin is the one guy who had nothing to do with it mm -hmm. and happens to be the only one that's his full-blood brother. You know, so, I mean, it, it's just a really uh, beautiful moment, I mean. If, the, if he is like any of the old pictures we see of ancient Egypt, they, they, they tend to wear a lot of eye makeup yeah. and they have you know, facial markings or whatnot. Yeah. So he may have been in his full you know, dressed regalia of 
which is why they didn't see him all, recognize him all this time. Probably with a shaved head as well. Yeah, he could have had a, the, the the strange goatee we see on like the old Ramsey's mm-hmm. photo you know, yeah. paintings or whatnot. So he invites him to come closer, like get, come here, come yeah. and see, like yeah. you know, bring bring your face closer to my face, yeah. and you can see, you know, that this is actually I I I'm clearly a Jew or yeah. a Hebrew. I'm clearly. I'm clearly your brother. Look into my well, They're, they're going to see the familiar features. I mean, yeah. Even though he manned out at this point because he's aged a lot since when they sold him. They're going to see those things. Like when you look at a kid that's grown up and it's like you look at him and then you look at it, the old pictures like, oh, it's it's him. Oh, my God. Look at you. You've grown. Right. And so can my brother Benjamin. So he's yeah. literally telling the one who would theoretically look the most like him. Mm-hmm. Come over here. Yeah. And, and you know, usually when you look at a bunch of of guys, if 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 I were to say, hey, two of those guys are brothers, pick them out. Yeah. You probably could pick them out. Yeah. And there there's cases where you're like, I have no idea. But if you look at them closely enough, okay, these two look similar. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is where, where Benjamin would see right away. Well, I mean, look, look, <laughs> I um, all of my brothers are half brothers. You know, from my biological father in Puerto Rico, and the ones I grew up with over here. Um. And my three brothers who I grew up with here, they look like my dad, and they slightly resemble each other. In fact, two of them used to get confused a lot with each, with each other. Hmm. I'm the one that that is never mixed up with them for for any of them because I I am clearly the the one who doesn't look like them. But you can see they look like each other. Oh yeah, I, I see it. They and they all look like my dad, and they have a strong resemblance to my dad. So hmm. yeah, I mean you can see it. And he also gives them permission, you know, mm-hmm. you're welcome to, this wouldn't be bragging, but you're yeah. welcome to say, hey, it's almost as like he's saying, you know, I realize dad has no reason to believe you. Yeah. But tell him that I I have the power to do what I'm promising. Yeah. I have honor. Yeah. Maybe he held up his ring or something and mentioned the ring I'm wearing or yeah. what, whatever it is. Tell all this honor I have. It's not like a brag about me, but hey. I have the power to do this. You can tell them yeah. that I have, you know, an entourage. I have all these things. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the brothers' tears. Well, the only ones that we're actually really given the tears for here is, is actually Benjamin, though. Mm. As far as the other brothers, uh, I'm not too sure about them. Um, I think Benjamin definitely has all the reasons to be emotional. You know, I I think it's a big deal when you, when you see that that one brother that. You know, that is actually your fullest sibling. Hmm. What about Joseph's tears? Oh, man, I mean, he's been, jo- Joseph has been a, a nonstop Niagara Fall Fest. <laughs> I mean, he's been crying since, since, <laughs> since, since the start of the story. You know, it's like every two seconds, like, I gotta go to the bathroom again. You know, and, you know, there he goes, like, Niagara seriously? Falls again, man, you know. Um, I mean, but, but can you really blame him? Hmm. Can you really blame him? I mean, to his credit, he kept it together as long as he could. I think it says a lot for him mm-hmm. that he doesn't just greet innocent little Benjamin. Mm-hmm. He kissed all of his brothers. Yeah. And yeah. he and he reserved tears for them too. Yeah. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm so excited to see the one I never thought I'd see again yeah. and that I really wanted to see. It's he's giving them this idea of, okay, you're... That, that just tells me that 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 just feels like forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna kiss you now, and I'm going to cry over you. I'm mm-hmm. gonna weep at the fact that I'm now kissing you yeah. and, and greeting you again, and that we that we have restoration or reconciliation. That it means something to Joseph that he's gonna make this an emotional moment of 
whether it's tears of joy. I mean, but it's that that's just man that that's just communicates so much to those of us who have been victims. Yeah. That the grace you can give to someone who clearly doesn't deserve it. Right. To people who don't deserve it, the ones right. who treated you the worst. So when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, yeah, this is the best, maybe the best Old Testament example of love for enemies. I mean, yeah. it's right there. The ones who are the worst to him. I'm trying to even think of a New Testament example that would be better than this. Besides Jesus himself. Right, besides Jesus himself, you know, I mean, I, I just can't think of one. I mean, this is really it. This is that ultimate portrait of that. I mean, Jesus loved his enemies so much as they literally nailed I mean, it's the nails first in his thing, flesh. The first thing out of his mouth on the cross. Father, forgive them. I mean, yeah. that that's love. But, wow. I mean, I, mean you, I guess you could argue... Um, it's probably not a real example, but it would be the the, the father in the prodigal son story. Mm, yeah. You know that would be, but that was you know in a, in a parable. Yeah. But but still, yeah, that was, man. Um, this this is just wonderful. I think Joseph's it, tears. It, it, this is the part we we wanted to get here so badly, and we're here finally. And again, <laughs> we, we, nobody would hold it against Joseph if he was this bitter revenge-driven monster. Yeah. In fact, some of the greatest movies you go, well, like, I love Braveheart. Well, Braveheart is, is basically built on revenge. They killed his wife, and so he goes after England. Or, um, you know, the same deal with another movie I like, Gladiator. I know these are rated R movies, and there might be some <laughs> listeners going, rated R, pastor, come on. But that's all revenge-based. Well, I, mean, I, I would have thrown out to you uh, all the Tarantino flicks. Just pick yeah. one. I mean, I'll, uh, pick a card, you know. It's like seeing a man get get personal revenge on things it just feels so satisfying in a, in when you're watching and it in the movie. We do love revenge stories. I mean, I, they they do uh, they do capture our imagination. Yeah, we're not expecting we're not expecting Joseph. I mean, we're also not surprised that he's yeah. doing this because he seems to be God's guy. Yeah. But we're expecting we're expecting someone to be more revenge based or more yeah. selfish oriented or at least it's like you know what. You, uh, maybe a modern psychologist would say, Joseph, use some more self-care here. You know, take care of your needs, which are clearly to put your brothers, knock them a few down a few pegs and mm-hmm. make them pay for what they did or um, not to be altruistic and caring yeah. for them. Wow. This is grace upon grace. This is amazing. Um, okay, well, let's see what happens here. 16 to 24, when the news reached Pharaoh's palace, because we knew it was going there. Mm-hmm. He already heard about the tears. Yeah. That Joseph's brothers had come. Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings, because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away. And as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. Okay, well, what what's your thoughts, Mick, on Pharaoh's response? You know, this 
kind of reminds me a little bit of chapter 41. I, I think Pharaoh respects Joseph's God, but among many other gods. And I mean, obviously he's the God of the moment because he's the God that's bailing them from this, this famine. So he's, he's especially kind of like, uh, you know, wanting to treat everything of this that's connected to this Jehovah God character. And he want, wants to treat him right. So he figures, let me treat Joseph well. Let me treat his family well. You know, I mean, he's, at the moment, you know, it, he's enjoying a, the favor of being the God of the moment in Egypt. Maybe, maybe Pharaoh all this time has been want, looking for a moment to, man, Joseph has been, been, been like a godsend to me or yeah. a god's send to yeah. me. I would love a way to pay this guy back. Yeah. If it ever would present itself, yeah. I would jump at it. Yeah. And it presents itself. Yeah. So he jumps at it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great display of gratitude, you know. Yeah. He, he could have just as easily been in an ingrate and no. I mean, theoretically, even though he was, you know, Joseph was, you know, second in command, or even if he was one of the many vice presidents of second in command, he could have commanded that, mm -hmm. and there could have been potential tension. Yeah. Like, what do you mean come yeah. back and live in the best part of the land? Yeah. Who, I mean, I, I know I gave you free reign, pal, but come on. Well, you know, like we were reading earlier, you know, he talks about, you know, you know, that he's a father to the Pharaoh. And that, that whole phrase, yeah. father to the Pharaoh, means that he, he's an advisor to the Pharaoh. And like you pointed out, there were more than, he was not the only one. He was just, at the moment, the most successful one. This would further convince Jacob, mm -hmm. hey, Pharaoh himself yeah. is, you know, and it's a little ironic when you think about it, because when, if going well ahead, another book into the future, they had, this time we have, you know, the best of Egypt being sent up to them to mm -hmm. bring back down with them. But as they left Egypt after the, the Passover and, mm -hmm. you know, they get kicked out. The scriptures talks about in, in Exodus, they plundered the Egyptians. Yeah. The Egyptians gave them their best. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. And so they were able to take the best of Egypt with them out. It was a literal vaya con Dios. Yeah. Exactly, but they, but but here we have the best of Egypt being sent from Pharaoh. Yeah, to go to Jacob to come in, right. and now the best of Egypt is going to go with them as they plunder, leaving. Yeah, it's just it's interesting there, just the 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 balance of that, and as the 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 story unfolds in salvation history, there biblical history. What do you think about verse twenty four? Don't what what quarrel don't quarrel on the way. What's what do you think about that? That just seems so random. It it it, it can seem random, but. When you've been keeping in, in, in mind the way the story has been unfolding, it's, it's more really, if you really think about it, this is finally, another finally, this is the unity that they've never had. Mm. This is the first time all 12 brothers are on the same page. Oh, I like that, yeah. This is the first time, never before, ladies and gentlemen, were these brothers ever on the same page. They were broken up into their little quartets, and, 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 and three-fourths of them tended to get along. Mm. And then the, 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 the one-fourth of them being Joseph and Benjamin, uh-uh, these guys we don't like. Now, for the first time since this whole story began, they are on the same page. They've hugged. They've mm. expressed love to each other. I love it. Yeah, this, this is it. So, so when, when you think about it, yeah, it may seem a little bit at a first read, but if you really stop and, and think about it, it's like, no. This is big. I mean, what yeah. good comes from arguing? Blaming, recriminations, retaliations. I mean, the best place for the past is the past. It's possible that, because this, this history was repeated again. The, mm -hmm. the history that was repeated was Jacob loved Joseph more than his brothers, too, as it were. And yeah. he, he gave him a special treat. Yeah. 
a special status, a special coat. Yeah. Now Joseph, the one in charge, is showing a special love to Benjamin. The text says he mm. gave him special money. Yeah. He gave him multiple sets of gifts, parting the gifts. Extra clothes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like he got special treatment. Yeah. So it's almost like maybe an indirect shot across well, the bow. Well, it's kind of like what we mentioned earlier. <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> they're retaking this test, and this time they're doing it right. It's like don't, don't go back to the old ways yeah. now. It's like, like you yeah. said, the unif- unity is wonderful, but there's a possibility of as they walk, as they travel back, they look at, at, at Benjamin and go, okay, this one's the, now yeah. the blessed one. Yeah. He's the one who's got the extra sets of clothes, and he has more than us. Hey, to their credit, they're doing take two much better. Yeah. So may, there's a possibility yeah. that behind verse 24 could be, could be something like that. Like, yeah. just a warning, don't go back to the old you now. Yeah. We're liking the the new you. Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it could be another test. I, it's just, but I love what you said, the unity. That, that's, that's, that's much better. Uh, but, you know, we, we have to give the possibility of, because the young one oh, yeah. got a special treat. But, oh, yeah. All right, 25 to 28. Let's bring this home. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw all those carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So why might Jacob be stunned in a disbelief? I mean, at this point, all he's getting is a report. I mean, think about it. It, it, It's just words. You know, so it's like, yeah, you know, this sounds great. But at the moment, all, all you're giving me is words. But Jason, J- Jacob really has no reason to believe his sons. I mean, come on. The, the father of, well, I'm not, I'm not going to call him Satan. You know, I was going to call him the father of lies. The lying father who, whose children did not fall at all far from the tree. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they've been known for being liars. And he knows it. You know, now all of a sudden they're you know they're they're telling the truth, but I think the thing that really um, causes things to change is, is that he sees the evidence of it. Mm-hmm. He, he he sees that not only are all eleven brothers here in unison because you fi- would figure there might have been some dissension among the ranks, they're all unified in this testimony, and on top of it, they have all this stuff that they brought along, including Benjamin, including Benjamin, that <laughs> he actually came back. Yeah. So all Joseph knows is that this guy wants to see Benjamin. Yeah. And he didn't know why, but okay, he had to prove that they're not spies, bring yeah. Benjamin. Well, you can't bring Benjamin. Well, I'll guarantee his safety. Okay. Well, so so Jacob doesn't know if, if his precious Benjamin is going to come back. Yeah. Now they come back, and not only do they come back, they come back with all kinds of provisions. Yeah. And now special blessings of, yeah. wow. I mean, wow. What changed in Jacob? What does he now have? Because he has a change here. He's stunned, then all of a sudden he's convinced and he's revived, it says. Well, he, he is no longer uh, the bereaved man he was in the earlier chapters that we were reading. Since uh, the whole uh, Joseph's being sold into slavery. Mm. He is no longer that bereaved man. On the contrary, he's the opposite of that. Because... First, his sons, if in a matter of speaking, were were dead. He lost Simeon for a while. He lost Joseph all these years. 
He stood mm -hmm. up the, the possibility of losing Benjamin. And now he has all his sons. His self-talk originally was very depressing. Mm -hmm. My son is dead. Yeah. My son is dead. Yeah. Now that self-talk can change. Yep. My son is alive. Yep. He's convinced. There's something about yep. faith that changes how we look at the world now. Yeah. And whereas before he was melancholy, depressed, whatever, now he has hope. I think there, these words are deliberate. Testimony, and then there's the evidence of it. And I don't think that it's accidental that those two words appear in this section. Mm. You know, because uh, faith requires a, a telling, and, a, and, and faith also requires a, a demonstration of something. Mm. You know, something has to be demonstrable about that faith. And I think that, that he's seeing it here. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So gone is the we're gonna bring we're gonna bring our gray haired father to death. Yeah. Now it's before I die I have hope. Yeah, and I will see him before I die. That's just. I think a really cool thing here is that you know at one point, you know, he's got all you know again missing sons. Now he's got all of them. Now they're united from. They're no longer the sons of Bilgah, Lee, and Rachel anymore. Now they are Jacob's sons. Well, let's land the plane. What what's your take home? Mick, the big takeaway is that when you trust God, when, when you trust in his sovereignty, the worst experiences and the worst people, they, they can be redeemed. Um, there can be forgiveness. There, there can be healing. There can be unity. And there is hope. I mean, trust God. Mm. Trust God. Trust God all mm. the way. No, it's a lot easier said than done, but it can be done. Yeah. And I, I go back to the villain and the victim. Mm, the yeah. villains, I mean, the villain had his moment, the great put up or shut up moment, as you mm -hmm. said, Mick. And the villain chose in the great moment of that he was led to, to be humble yeah. and to be sacrificial. Yeah. The villain was redeemed. Yeah. And the victim, the victim chose grace. Yeah. When he, when he could have chosen revenge... He chose grace. And when he could have just offered more condemnation, he chose to offer hope. Yeah. I think that Judah's story has now come to a head, and so has Joseph's. Yeah. I think this really, really reaches out and, and it teaches those who have been victimized. And it teaches those of us who have been villains. Yeah. There's hope yeah. in repentance. There's hope in, um, in these stories. This is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and it show, and I like the fact that it illustrates both sides so well. You're in the position to give the forgiveness, and you're in the position to receive the forgiveness. There's humility there. Yeah. There's there's trust and there's grace. Yeah. And it just a lot of it just just points to our stories when it mm -hmm. comes to our salvation. Yeah. And and as we trust, as we trust Jesus alone for our salvation, and the grace that He offers, and. This has been great. Well, yeah. this has been Masterclass Theology from uh, Session 5 of our, our journey with Joseph. Um, I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. And we're here to pop you up. Sorry. <laughs> Have a good day. God bless. Amen and amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. 
I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.